Welcome to Optoly Radio, your regular 30-minute dose of everything you need to accelerate your e-commerce marketing success. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Optoly Radio, the show that brings in marketing and e-commerce experts to provide practical advice and tactics to grow your online business. Today in the virtual studio, we have Cody Wittick joining us. Cody is the co-founder and co-CEO at Kinship, an influencer marketing agency located in Orange County, California. Prior to co-founding Kinship, Cody began his journey at Quelo, the brand that created the silicone wedding ring. Throughout his time there, he built a robust influencer program of over 500 influencers, all through the foundation of seeding. And from the Optoly team today, we have Epi McDonald joining us. Epi is a skilled social media and digital marketing executive, having helped brands scale growth through paid social campaigns. She is now an account manager on the Optoly Plus team, helping e-commerce companies grow by implementing cross-channel strategies to increase overall return on ad spend. So welcome to the show, Cody and Epi. Hello. Thanks for having me. Great. So we went into a little bit about your background, uh, Cody. So why don't you um, give us, you know, some more details on the road that led you to Kinship? Yeah, I mean, you pretty much nailed it. Um, yeah, ran the influencer program at Kalo. Um for four to five years started out i was just kind of the product seeding guy um i was just trying to get the product out to as many people as possible and then that quickly evolved into just running the um influencer marketing program and i was like the 13th or 14th employee and kayla went from zero to 40 million in like four or five years and had 100 plus employees and so quick growth and a huge part of that was influencer marketing. We had a $1 million influencer budget my last year at Kalo. Um, it was a huge part of our growth and marketing budget and things of that nature. So which ultimately led to starting Kinship three and a half years ago. Awesome. Those are some pretty amazing stats. So how does a business go about starting to create this authentic relationship with an influencer or a group of influencers if they haven't done anything like that before? I'll get your product out to as many people as possible. Um, th- that's first and primary. So product seeding. Every single one of those relationships that um, I had had at Kalo, such as like the Steph Curry and Dale Earnhardt Juniors, like these macro, macro, huge names all started with just getting the ring into their hands. Now this silicone wedding ring that I'm wearing cause I'm married and still loyal to the old company costs two cents on the dollar to make. Uh, so obviously not everyone has cogs like that. And so I understand that, but the principle still remains on the best way to know that you for sure have a genuine advocate is actually putting the product into their hands and letting that speak for itself rather than, Hey, I pay you X number of dollars, or here's your contractual obligation to post and talk about my brand. Um, it'll eventually get there and we hope it does. But the first step, absolute first step, when you talk about like that foundational thing is you just need to get the product into as many hands as possible, whether that's 10, hundred, 500, um, the number is really up to, you know, your budget and cogs, but that's the way to start any relationship in my opinion is by giving and not asking and trying to provide as much value as possible and um 
It's certainly the same thing with, with influencers. So um, do you think that businesses at any stage can start doing this or should brands be a little bit more established uh, before asking for, you know, even just seeding out the product or even asking for um, contributors for any kind of content or promotion? Honestly, I think it's just the foundational things as a brand. So have a website up, <laughs> have have your product dialed in, have an unboxing experience, um, have social media set up. And when I say set up, it's not like thousands of followers, but have some content on there and stuff like that. So, I mean, you hear those things and that could be a brand that's a couple months in um, before you start reaching out to influencers and offering to send them product. Because a huge part of early stage too is just getting product feedback and things of that nature. So, um I would say it's all across the board, but especially early stage businesses. Now, if you don't have those other things set up, I would probably hold off before you start reaching out to influencers because if they're not, if they go to your website and it's a 404 or, uh, you know, they go to your social media and there's nothing on there, that's not a great first impression either. So those are some things that I'd be aware of. Great. So um, how do you feel that uh, influencer marketing synergizes with paid media? Do you think that kind of involving paid media dampens the authenticity of this relationship from the point of view of customers or uh, how does that work in your mind? To be blunt, I actually think that's where all the ROI is um, in terms of like dollars back for brands in the short term um, on an immediate assessment of whether this is working or not. Seeding products, getting, getting content posted, getting content rights, repurposing that content within paid media that's where you actually see dollars um, as opposed to trying to play the organic day trading stock uh, game of a pay for post model that is really you're a slave to the algorithm at the end of the day um, so paid media is a huge part and where wherever it's working right i mean for us as an agency we definitely see facebook and instagram ads and tiktok ads be doing really really well um, and repurposing influencer content there. But if it's Google SEO, if it's YouTube SEO, it's, if it's, um, your PDP page, wherever it's driving revenue for you, I would repurpose it there and try to get as many places as possible. But yeah, circling back to my first responses, that's exactly where all the ROI is. If you're not repurposing the influencer content that influencers are posting on your behalf, even if you are paying them to post and you don't have usage rights, you're literally lighting money on fire, in my opinion. I do think it's really interesting as well, just to note that like we've seen iOS updates where people have been able to kind of be empowered with the often to opt out of tracking that now like ads are kind of seen as almost mistrusted by a lot of audiences. So to see an influencer or someone that you actually choose to follow and see their content, that for them to, you know, publish content with a specific brand, you immediately almost kind of trust the brand then if you did see a paid advertisement by them following on from that influencer content. Or if you recognize the influencer and you might not necessarily notice that it's an ad coming from the brand. So I think it's a really um, kind of unique thing that we're seeing now is that influencers are actually a lot more trusted than an ad coming directly from a brand now that people have been given that option to opt out of tracking on their devices. Yeah, that's very definitely a very like interesting that. point. 
For sure. So my next question is, where is that line between an influencer and a spokesperson? Is it just like a one-off thing to be an influencer or where is that kind of line? You use the word spokesperson. I would just say ambassador, someone that's consistently representing the brand over time to their audiences. They might even be on an ambassador page on the website. That's someone that's kind of putting a flag in the ground saying like, hey, I represent x brand um versus maybe an influencer could just be i mean it it could be that it could be an ambassador or it could just be like the one-off post um i guess i tend to think of the influencers just without regard to any brand partnerships they're just they're influencing an audience um usually on social media (laughs) okay cool that makes sense so you know, if they're just sort of building their own, their own following independent of a brand, as opposed to just kind of building a following to represent a brand, would that be fair? Yeah. Cool. And have you seen like a huge, um, like impact that TikTok has had, say in the last like year or two years, um, as opposed to like people kind of trusting influencers more on TikTok coming with like video content? Cause I know, like Instagram has had so many updates kind of in the last few months, even that it doesn't even like represent Instagram anymore. And that whole thing of like instant photo uploading, like I go onto my feed and it's someone I know and add a reel from someone I've never seen before. Like it's kind of, I'm searching on the feed for something that is relevant to me or somebody that I follow. So just in terms of then like TikTok and how I go onto TikTok, like I'm really easily influenced on TikTok, <laughs> like anything that I want, I'll like go on that and I'll be like, that's a really cool idea for a house or for sure. um, anything like that. So just in terms of how these platforms are now like reacting to each other, do you see that influencers are performing a lot better for brands on TikTok? Yeah, I mean, certainly like the the possibility of virality on TikTok is is unprecedented compared to Instagram. Um, you can certainly grow an audience a lot quicker, more authentically. Um, I mean, you see videos like that all the time with millions of views and the person that's the only video they posted and they have like zero followers. Um, so stuff like that, uh, I guess we don't really get into the whole, like how, like when you say, is it performing well? I would say it probably is, but we don't have a lot of data around that just because like we're really looking at it as a content creation pipeline um, to repurpose into paid. So whether it's TikTok, Instagram, whatever, you know, any other future platform that gets created, I think it's still going to be about the actual content itself rather than wherever it's posted. Um, so, yeah, that, I still like Instagram. I still like the ways, the number of ways that influencers can post and the variety of ways that they can post rather than just kind of just one style on TikTok. Um, but yeah, certainly the the potential for virality on the platform is is a unique opportunity because it's not going to last forever. <laughs> no. And do you see, sorry, Nina, just like kind of oh, just go ahead. thinking on, <laughs> on the spot, but um, just talking about like Instagram in terms of like how much the platform has kind of changed, I suppose, to work in competition to TikTok by adding in a lot of like more video content and everything like that. Um, I know Be Real has kind of 
entered the space as well amongst like a younger audience because you know it's a lot more harnessed in terms of who you follow and who you share your content to but do you guys see that as being a future platform for influencers to join and kind of open up their be real to audiences to then follow them um and perhaps use that for brand partnerships as well like on the spot sort of a, a be real of something that kind of comes across as maybe more authentic because this person had a two minute window to post. I think any platform has the potential to be attract influencers. I would just at the end of the day, especially even if you're a brand or even if you're an influencer, where is everybody's attention going? Um, quite honestly, I had never even heard of that platform that you just mentioned. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's cool. like, and, yeah, maybe maybe that's just me. Maybe that's reflective of the wider public. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think any platform has the potential to have influencers be on there as soon as they see eyeballs go on there because um, they ultimately want to have paid partnerships and ultimately get paid by the platforms. I mean, you're seeing all these platforms reward creators for time spent on the platform, which... Rightfully so. Awesome. So do you want to maybe give us an example of a really successful recent campaign that you had with an influencer and kind of what your process was behind that? With an individual influencer, we don't really work on an individual basis. Um, Well, we do, and I would say our campaigns are with brands. Um, So we work with, I mean, we worked with M&Ms of the world. That's a a case study campaign where we did, um, we seeded product to, um, 250 influencers, 65 of them posted. And when they posted certain ones had millions of impressions. Yes. But the, the gravy of it all was that organic performance. But then the real meat and potatoes was actually the content that was repurposing their ad account that they saw a 450% increase in sales compared to the previous year. Um, where we see the product on personalized M&M so you could put your face or your mom or dad's face on the M&M um, and seed it out to creators. And a lot of creators, I mean, went bonkers on the type of creative um, that they posted on the platform. But again, it was all about the repurposability within um, M&M's Facebook and Instagram ads. I mean, we're identifying influencers on behalf of our clients that are one, a great brand fit, they meet quantitative metrics that are based on like the customer demo, but three, the most importantly, we're picking them on video content creation ability. So we purposely, I mean, we identify 500 influencers on a month to month basis, not all 500 because we, you know, reach out, no strings attached and we're not offering or asking for anything up front. Not all 500 are obviously going to post or receive product, but that's the scale, which we're identifying influencers on behalf of our clients. And I noticed you said they're just in terms of like their ability to make video content. So in terms of their ability to make kind of static images, like that's not really something that you guys are interested in harnessing. It's all about video. All about video. That's what we've just seen. Yeah. Organic, organically one do well, but two, most importantly, like I keep beating a dead horse on uh, is just what it can, how it performs within paid ads. 
Yeah, absolutely. Not that we won't run static imagery. It's just the majority of content that we do want to get back is is video content. Awesome. So you had mentioned uh, the pay for post model earlier in this conversation. Um, so do you think that that model is just not working? Is it dead? Um, just comment on that. It being dead is kind of a clickbaity uh, statement. Um, is it entirely dead? No. Does it sometimes work? Yes. But as a first touch point with an influencer, kind of like what I touching on what I said at the beginning, I don't think it's the proper way to start or assess whether an influencer is worth working with. Um, one, because the organic platform is just not the best platform to test um, the ability for an influencer to influence. And two, um, you're just paying incredible rates to only assess something on an organic basis. And three, what I mentioned in the beginning is like the genuine interaction and advocacy, you know, in the back of your mind was only because you paid them enough money. Um, majority of the time now do certain certain influencers come into a contract with a brand and then end up liking the product anyways i'm sure that happens i'm just proposing what's the best system to produce the outcome that we desire which is genuine advocates around our brands um i would say seating is <laughs> going to be a sure sell sign that it's going to be 100 percent. like they're a huge advocate they're going to post on their own free will without us even asking um that's a huge sign to me that they're a big fan. Now let's go back to that person. And that's where maybe pay for post does make sense. Or I would even say before you even start paying upfront money, pay them on an affiliate basis and um, on a commission basis, motivate them to continue posting. Then there's, you know, there's steps that you've taken and you've, you've kind of held hands together with that influencer um, and that relationship has grown like every other human relationship uh, to me than just kind of a very transactional cold outreach. You've never heard of me before, but I'm asking for four posts and here's all this money and you give me this or I'm not happy. Um, that doesn't seem like and I mean, and we wonder why we have a transactional marketplace like influencer marketing and people are distrusting of influencers and stuff like that. And that's, this is why, you know, this is how we've gotten to this place. So what do you see as sort of the future of influencer marketing and brand relationships? What's next in store? Well, I, I hope people take, take up my advice on product seeding more, um, by just getting the product out there and maybe being a little bit more patient on, uh, working with influencers. So that's one. Two, I definitely think um, getting more access into the brands themselves, giving the influencers more access into the brands themselves and actually having them be a part, especially as the relationship matures and they trust them, they can see them as an extension of their marketing team. Um, and hey, who are other creators that we should be going after? Um, what are the products should we be creating, especially as they get feedback on those audiences? So those are some of the things that I definitely, I think they're happening a little bit now, um, but definitely see it as an increase in the future. I do think that that's like quite interesting about kind of influencers being given like certain roles within companies of like creative director or um, I know like I've seen a few that kind of have input into like their own content creation with the brands. And I just think that's quite interesting for a brand to kind of harness an influencer to have like such a 
specific role and such an important role within the company. And I know that some people might see that as kind of being undeserving if someone is a creative director and has taken 15 years to get to that point to then see, you know, an influencer taking that role. So just in terms of like your own experience with that, how do you approach a brand kind of making that decision if they were to make that decision that, okay, we're going to bring in a specific influencer to be our creative director? I mean, one, I would say, has there been steps taken previously that, that there's a proven like concept behind this relationship. Uh, I mean, has there, has there been trust built? Like, are they a fan? You know, uh, I, I guess I would make sure I go through the checklist to make sure that this is a wise decision. Assuming that's the case that they've worked with them for several years and stuff like that. Yeah. I'd be a huge fan. I think it'd probably be, I would assume navigating like what equity looks like or how, what's in it for them. Like, because I'm assuming they're not going to be coming on full-time as a, a salaried employee. So what does that look like and how could we advise there as well? Cool. So uh, next bit of business is Black Friday is looming on the distant horizon. So what are um, some ways that brands can leverage influencer marketing to really just like stand out this year, cut through the noise and really like some tactics uh, for especially small businesses in e-commerce to really, you know, make a splash this Black Friday. If you've never repurposed influencer content within your paid advertising, then I would certainly do that. And I would start now. I would start product seeding to influencers, building relationships, seeing if you can get content back and then leverage that content within paid. And then I would start ads by definitely the 1st of October um, to start getting into learnings. Um, also a huge thing in Q4 is getting your email list as a controlled audience. Um, so repurposing influencer content within, within email as well. Um, so those are some of the things in addition to kind of just, I don't, you don't have to get all cute and fancy for Q4 alone. I know there's a lot of like clickbaity things around Q4 and Blackfire Cyber Monday, and you have to switch up everything to really be successful. Um, when it comes to our strategy and influencer marketing, I definitely think send your product out, build relationships, capture content, repurpose that within paid, run it raw. Don't put in all the bells and whistles. Like Epi was saying earlier, you know, just the native raw shaky content is performing well. Repurpose that a ton across the board um, and you should see results. Awesome. Great strategy. So unfortunately, we are out of time for this episode. But um, if our listeners come away from this show with just one thing that they can start to implement today that will help them accelerate their online business, what is that? It's probably going to be content repurposing, but maybe it's something else. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In addition to product seeding? No. Yeah. Outside of that, I don't have anything for you guys. I'm just going to keep repeating myself till it drives home. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Cody. Happy it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Nice to meet you, thank Cody. You. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Optily Radio, Accelerate E-commerce Marketing. We're of course brought to you by Optily the new Shopify app that's revolutionizing how store owners manage their ad spend across Facebook, Instagram, Google, and YouTube. If you're one of the millions who is struggling to know where to spend your marketing dollars for the most impact, try out Optily free for two weeks. 
watch your returns increase, hours open up in your schedule, and achieve your business goals fast. Learn more at Optily.com. We'll catch you back here next time on Optily Radio for more expert tips on growing your online store through marketing. Take care.